in today's show. We're looking at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. The fantasy playoffs, they might be starting this week. So if they are, good luck. If it's next week, good luck to you as well. And using the waiver wire is extra important. Not hanging on to players who don't have much future on your team is not worth it. You've got to make moves more for the here and now. Stashing, which is something that I'm generally against anyway, um, tends to go a little bit out the window at this point of the year. So let's have a look at guys that we can add, guys that have been added, guys that have been dropped, and how we can play the waiver wire uh, for this week. And um, let's have a look. First off, we're going to look at the most added players across fantasy basketball. Number one is amazingly DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins is the number one added player. He has been rostered. The increase is gigantic. It's 40% in our advanced metric. He's up to 25 overall on Yahoo. I know that last game, DeMarcus Cousins was great. In fact, he was fantastic. Cousins put up 31-9 and nine with three steals, a block, and three threes. That is absolutely fantastic. He did that in 24 minutes against the Houston Rockets, of course, so not a great opponent. But that was with Nikola Jokic out. And I know that people love rationalizing it with big names. Oh, no, he's back. He can, they can play together. Can he? Will he? I, I don't really think so. Yes, he's had two solid games in the last two. But he also had a six and seven game in there, a nine and eight, a six and five, nine and five, four and five. Like these aren't particularly good games. That last game was excellent, right? But Jokic is back today. Well, he's almost definitely back. He's listed as probable. And I think if you look at Boogie, you can look at him as maybe a fourteen-team league guy at best. Maybe, maybe he gets to that level. He's had really high usage this year. He's scoring well. He's rebounding well. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I can see in a pinch you can use him in a 12-team format. I can see that. But as to be the most added player over the last 24 hours seems a little bit too much to me when there are other guys floating on the wire who are still available in a lot of spots. But I, I, I can see it. I'm not as disgusted by it as I would be with like some other guys who have been added at, at times this year. I can see the rationale behind it. Like over the last eight games for Boogie, he's got a usage of 30%. He's averaging 11 and 7. He's shooting 53%. Like, they're all pretty good numbers. The, is the upside high? Like it's not though. That's the thing. It's not really very high at all upside wise. I don't really buy that there's any way for him to play with Jokic and to blow up. Alec Burks, second most added player. Alec Burke. We know he's the starting point guard. 
We know that Tom Thibodeau would have to have his dick caught in a blender to change a starting lineup, no matter how poor it is. That's the only way it's going to happen. So Burks is going to start for the foreseeable future. And he's going to have nights where he shoots 11%. But there'll be nights where he goes 15, 7, and 7 with three threes. And you really love those nights. He's not the greatest ad out there, but given the minutes, given the role, yeah, I can see it. Isaiah Roby, he's been excellent. The last two games for Roby have been very, very strong. Um, the guys that have been out, they're not big contributors like Mascala. Oh, that's not true. Dort and Giddy, yes. And they do impact what the usage for Roby could be. But they're not taking the minutes. Robinson Earl's out still for a long time. Wiggins, I guess that sort of impacts him. Favors of Mascala, there's no need for those guys to even play. Roby over the last month is a top 100 player. He's averaging 12 and 6 with a block. Almost two steals is obviously boosting that number up. But there's no reason to me that Isaiah Roby should be on the waiver wire. Like Isaiah Roby being added over DeMarcus Cousins makes a ton of sense to me. One guy has 30-minute upside. The other guy is Nikola Jokic's backup. So Roby, to me, yeah, at, at this stage, he's a 12-team league guy. Contavious Caldwell-Pope tends to go through these sort of times where you go, well, yeah, he's absolutely a must-add. And I think at the moment he is. And then he'll go back and score nine points on 30% shooting. But he's playing at a really high level at the moment. The role is not really shrinking. Like, who's taking it? Kispert? Neto? Smith? Caldwell-Pope's pretty locked in. Now, what I could see happening is them deciding to start Porzingis at the four, Kuzma at the three, and Kispert at the two, and pushing KCP to the bench. That could happen. I'm not convinced that it does, but he's like the top 75 player over the last month, KCP. Excellent from the free throw line. Scoring well. That's really all he's doing. Hitting threes. But there's something there. Manuel quickly has been added in a lot of spots, and I guess a lot of that is to do with the fact that the Knicks, what, are playing today. His minutes have been trending up. Like I said with Alec Burks, like Tommy Thibodeau is just not going to start him. He is playing him more minutes and he's playing well, but he can be a real detriment to your field goal percentage at times quickly. And that's an issue. I don't mind him as a streamer. Hassan Whiteside is one of the most added players. Makes very little sense. I guess I understand it being a streamer for today's action against the Thunder, but that's about it. Cameron Payne. Yep, absolutely. He's a must-roster player in every single league. He should not be on any waiver wire. So if you're in a league and he's on your wire, I think you've got to correct that. The Shark, Bruce Brown, as I should have had the sound queued up already. Baby shark, yeah, look, he's been added. They played today. That game is already over. I don't really... I don't know. Look, he was good today, again. I don't know that I buy it long-term, but the current production's hard to ignore. 16-6-5 with a triple one today in good minutes. Ben Simmons doesn't appear like he's back anytime soon. I'm not, I'm not against Bruce Brown. Remember when Steve Nash wasn't starting? Wasn't even playing him in the rotation? So I guess, yeah, on second thoughts, yeah, I'm okay with Brown. Jalen Smith. Yep, I think he's a 12-team league guy. I know he's off the bench, but he plays backup four, backup five. When Miles Turner comes back, if Miles Turner comes back, that's going to change it. I don't think Turner's going to make any impact in the fantasy playoffs, to be honest. So Smith's a good add. And then I, Isaiah Hartenstein, one of the most added players. I love it. Much like Cousins, though, the upside there is low because I don't think he's going to take a starting role. Maybe he gets 21 minutes a night. That's probably all he needs. But he's not 
He's not the greatest ad, but he does have some very nice um, stream value. But I'll tell you what else is nice to stream straight down your gob. That's Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Why would you reach for a candy bar? Actually, I know, you know what? I know the answer why you would reach for a candy bar because they taste great. But then when you think about it, when you just sit and you reassess, what are the, what's going on? Why is there so many calories in this thing? Why is there so much sugar? You go, I'm going to go healthy. I'm going to reach for a protein bar. And you go to bite it and you go, this tastes like, it tastes like a donkey's ass. Like, what is this that I'm eating? And then in the middle, with a bright light shining down, you see a built Bar. And it's the best of both worlds. It tastes like a candy bar and it's high protein like a protein bar. Wow, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories in a bar, low carbs, low sugar, low fat, amazing taste. And have you tried their puffs? They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, like all Built Bars, but it's protein-infused marshmallowy goodness. So head to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll save 15% off your order of Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. Let's look at some droppable players. Start in San Antonio with um, Lonnie Walker. Hello. We saw Lonnie Walker playing well. And I went, all right, he's never done this before. And there's going to be a two of nine shooting game coming up probably because when the shot doesn't go in, he offers us nothing. And then last game, he was shit out. And that's Lonnie Walker. He'll have a hot streak. He'll shoot well. And then he won't. Lonnie Walker was fine to add, was fine to stream in for points, was fine to stream in for points leagues. He's been dropped in a ton of spots and I've got no problem with it. I don't know why the artist formerly known as Torian Prince was rostered in as many spots as he was to be the second highest dropped player. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, he's had some moments this year where he has put up numbers where you've gone, all right, maybe I need to look at it. But again, when we just look at it with common sense, the value isn't there. Dwight Powell, droppable. Yeah, he's been dropped in a lot of spots. He was a stream option with Kleber out. That's really all he is for 12-team formats. And then the painter, Matisse Thibel, dropped in a lot of leagues. Understandable. Again, what do you have last game? Zero points, one rebound. He's a steals and blocks specialist. That is it. There's nothing else there. And it's got to make sense for your team. That's why he isn't must roster. Everyone was adding Markel Fultz at this time last week. Now he's one of the most dropped players. Because again, as I said, when he was added, I don't see him pushing to 28 minutes a night at any point in the fantasy playoffs. The first two games, it was completely unsustainable shooting. And there's just not enough volume there. And I guess people have realized that. Yeah, sure, I like Michael Fultz. Is there going to be enough playing time for him? Is he going to be productive enough to sit through the bullshit? And the answer was always no. And now it's obviously no. Malik Beasley been dropped in leagues. I guess because he got ejected yesterday? I don't, I don't know. With Anthony Edwards missing, I guess, yeah, injured with that knee... Beasley had been playing well. Now, I think there is a possibility of a suspension coming here for Beasley after that headbutt. But most dropped? I don't know. Malachi Flynn. Yes, he was awesome replacing Fred Van Vliet, but now he's hurt. No point holding on to a guy like Flynn who's a temporary fill-in anyway, who's also not playing. See you later. Get someone else into your roster. And these other guys aren't in the most droppable list players, but they're guys that I think you can drop. One of those is the table, Montrez Harrell. Minutes are dwindling. He's playing like under 20 a night for Charlotte as Washington and Plumlee get that playing time. And Borrego's realizing that Harold doesn't really contribute to winning basketball most of the time. So you need to move on from Montrezl Harrell. Do it. Who cares? Get someone else in. The next guy. Maximum Derek. Yep. Look, Jalen Brown was back. Derek White played 20 minutes. That was the pattern before Jalen Brown got injured. We wanted one more game to see if that pattern would continue. It did. 
See you later. 28 minutes tonight, Derek White's a 12-team league guy. 20 minutes is not. Hey, bye-bye. He might play more minutes in these games, but this is four games in a row with a healthy team that he's played 22 or under minutes. I don't need to see any more than that. See you later, Derek. And the wiki Chris Boucher, I don't know why he's still being held on to. Um, there's just too many options there, Achua and Young and Birch. And then eventually you'll get healthy Van Vliet back and Ananobi back in a week and a half or so. I just don't see the point in holding on to Chris Boucher. Don't really see the point of that at all. Let's look at some must-roster players. These are all guys that are available in over 50% of formats on one side or another and shouldn't be. Jackson Hay is in category and points leagues. They've got those of you, the names that are italicized are must-roster category leagues and not points. The other names are must-roster for both. Jackson Hayes, I think, is a must-roster across both formats. Yes, we got a positive update on Zion Williamson. We'll talk about that later, but that's fine. Hayes just needs to be rostered. Herbalife Jones, his teammate. Yes, again, Zion will impact him if he plays, but he probably won't. But Herb in a category league is a must-roster guy. In a points league, less so. His value is coming from defensive stats a lot and some solid efficiency, which doesn't really translate as well to points leagues. But in category leagues, he's got to be rostered. Cam Johnson. Yes, he is out, which is annoying for today's game, which is about to tip off now. That's frustrating considering what he did against the Knicks last game. And in a category, I think he's got to be a rosterable player. In a points league, I'm not as convinced. I'm not as convinced he's a must-roster points league guy. I probably would say he is. The injury dampens that somewhat, but my projections don't love him as much in a points league. Isaiah Jackson's available in lots of spots. He should not be. He is a must-roster player across all formats, as is Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne is going to start rest of season. He's going to, and yes, his numbers will drop a little bit with Devin Booker back, but he's still going to play you know, close to 30 a night, if not more. Chumra Kiki, go back and forward on this guy. His playing time is up the last two with Wendell Carter out, and they had reduced him prior to that. But there's still the Bumba scenario where Bumba can go up, Bumba can go down. Akiki can be a good defensive. Like I'd much prefer Trimmer Akiki than, say, a Matisse Thibel in a category league if you're looking for defensive numbers. Look at him as like a Herb Jones sort of player. Not as good in points, but good for category leagues. Devin Vassell, his upside's not that high this season, I don't think. But I think he can chug along at between 80 and 95, which is fine. Like When I say someone's got low upside, if they're like 130th player on, on a regular basis and there's no upside to push past that, then there's no point. If you're chugging along at top 80 and your best case is top 75, then that's great. Right? Who cares if there's no upside when you're producing that level of value? And that's sort of how I see Vassell. Jalen Smith, I think, should be rostered in all formats. We talked about him already. Isaiah Roby should be rostered in all formats. Talked about him already. And amazingly, I know it's going to bite me right on the ass, but Jay Crowder. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I think he should be rostered in all formats. Of course, he'll probably score three points on one of seven shooting today and make that look stupid, but he's been great over the last few games, really, really putting up impressive numbers. And with all those absences in Phoenix, he's got a larger role. And you should be looking at him as a guy that you should be rostering in uh, in all formats. Better line is here. Basketball's at full steam ahead for pro and college hoops. And for all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, 
is where the game starts. Let's look at some other names who are worth talking about. Alperen Shengun, I've noticed people adding again. Again, I love Shengun as a prospect. I know that if he played 30 a night, he would smash fantasy value, but it's not happening. And you can't afford... You stash at the start of the season. You stash a week or so before a trade deadline. You try and read where the trends are going. But holding on for four months, hoping that Christian Wool gets injured, I think it's foolish. You need roster spots at this point of the year. You can't be holding, I don't think. You can't be holding on to the delicate dancer. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. And I've said that you know, multiple times, obviously. Grant Williams is another interesting name. He's got some stream value, especially for 14-team leagues. Now, he didn't do anything today. He was pretty poor, in fact. But there is stream value for 14-teamers for Grant, who'd been playing really well, shooting well. I'm not sure he's anything more than an emergency 12-team league guy, but there's something there. Victor Oladipo is being added in a lot of spots. And as, as, I, as I have said, I've been consistent with Will Oladipo, I just don't see it for him as a 12-team league guy. Now, someone left a comment saying, I'd have to be stupid to say that he's not a 12-team league guy considering he averaged 25-5 and five last year. And you know what? He did average 25-5 and five last year, playing 33 minutes a night with a 28% usage, which, of course, has zero chance of happening in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, or this season at all. He just isn't going to do any of those things. And he's so inefficient that he hurts you so much. And I know the name Victor Oladipo is great because we all remember he was an All-NBA player in 17-18, but he's actually been good since then. No. He's actually been actively bad in most of the seasons since then. And with Vincent, Struess, Lowry, Robinson, Hero, Butler, all of these names, and you can say that Martin and Butler and Stru or is it Martin and Struess and Vincent, they're not great players, and that's fine. Victor Oladipo also isn't a great player at this point who hasn't played in a year. And I just, much like with Markel Fultz adding him, I don't see the point in it. You need production right now, like literally right now. Not someone who comes in and plays 19 minutes a night and probably hurts your percentages and doesn't really contribute anything positive as you wait for him to get ramped up. I just don't see the purpose in it. I can say that for so many of these guys. On one or two of them, I'll be wrong for sure. And someone will come out and blow my mind straight off. It very rarely happens, though. Pokyshevsky. Um, I love what he's doing. The Aaron Wiggins situation is one that makes it, makes it a little bit tougher just because we've seen that when Wiggins plays... Um, oh, interesting. Malachi Flynn out indefinitely with a hamstring. That's going to be weeks there. So, that, yeah, obviously drop him. Uh, Alexei Pokyshevsky, when Wiggins is out, plays well. When Wiggins is there, his minutes drop down. And Wiggins might play today. So while Poku can be an ad, I'm a little worried about where that goes. A couple of names that there's been some sort of updates on Zion Williamson. I don't believe adding him is the right move. At most, you've got four weeks left in the season. Is Zion actually going to come back and play in those next four weeks when, again, we don't actually know when he's practicing or five on five or clear for contact. We don't know any of that. Do you expect him in four weeks to be back playing 27, 30 minutes a night? I don't at all. I wouldn't waste it. And Paul George... The updates continue to be vague. And people say, oh, they're just being coy. Like, why? If there was news, I would have thought with Paul George saying the MRI was clear, what they would have come out and said, he is clear, he's ramping up, he'll be back in two weeks, which is what their initial report said. But they didn't say that. They just said, eh, it's going to be a little bit more time. Yeah, he's feeling better. Like, same as Jason Preston's broken foot and Kawhi Leonard's torn ACL. He's feeling better. They're non-update updates. I wouldn't be... I know I saw footage of Paul George shooting. Like, he, that cool. 
Does that mean he's going to play in the next two weeks? I, I highly, highly doubt that. Highly doubt it. Dorian Finney-Smith, he's probably a lower upside guy, but given the volume and the minutes and the way he's playing at the moment, he does deserve a spot on a 12-team roster. Drew Eubanks, I don't know whether they're going to sign him long-term. Both him and Trendon Watford are sneaking up into 12-team areas. Definitely 14-team league ads and maybe 12 teams. And Malik Monk, I think, is at least until he gets benched by Frank Vogel, a 12-team league option for the Lakers. Some good numbers for him in the last couple of games. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.